1: Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com
2: Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 654. Well, if you're feeling sad that some of your favorite birds have gone south for the winter, the folks at Audubon.org remind us that as birds that breed in the lower 48 head to Central and South America, those from the boreal forests of Canada and Alaska are also heading south in search of warmer climes and taking the place of many of those summer birds. And they cite an interesting study that found that in California's Central Valley, there are just as many different bird species around in the winter as there are in the summer. Now, that stat may not quite be matched everywhere, but there are lots of great birds to see in the winter pretty much wherever you are. And that includes Calgary, Alberta, Canada. From which location we're in receipt of an email from our friend and Talking Birds ambassador, Trevor Fletcher. Trevor's note references last week's show when we talked a bit about snowy owls heading south and maybe some pretty big numbers again this winter. Trevor says, enjoyed your show today, especially since I just came back from spotting two snowy owls just northeast of Calgary. This brings my year count to 153 bird species. Not sure if I'll be able to see many more new birds before the year is over, but seeing those two snowy owls just made my day. I jumped for joy on the side of the road and screamed at the top of my lungs. This was after the spotting, of course. All right, well, thank you, Trevor, and thanks for your ambassadorship. That interesting sound would be the sound of our mystery bird. This is a preview of our mystery bird contest that we'll uh, activate later in the show. Here are some clues about that mystery bird. It's a chunky, medium-sized diving duck found mostly in the western U.S., but becoming more common in the northeast as it migrates south in winter from increasingly large nesting areas in northern Canada. The male of the species is a strikingly patterned bird with a dark purple head A vertical white crescent just behind the bill. White undersides and a dark back with white bars. The female is mostly brown with an orange dill. That would be our mystery bird, and we have some fabulous uh, prizes on our mystery bird contest. Notice I made that plural. First, the Droll Yankees double suet feeder. Perfect for treating your backyard birds to their favorite suet or fruit in a kind of a big way. Bonus prizes, two 12-ounce bags of delicious bird-friendly shade-grown birds and beans coffee and a five-pound pack of Audubon Park nut and fruit blend wild bird food. So a whole batch of beautiful prizes on our mystery bird contest coming along just a little bit later on in this morning's show.
1: Extra, extra, read all about
2: Here are some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page uh, this week. Teamwork results in a happy ending for 200 brown pelicans forced by storms onto a major roadway in South Texas. We'll connect you to the story courtesy of the Valley Star newspaper in Harlingen, Texas. The American public television documentary Penguin Hospital introduces viewers to Africa's only penguin species and the penguin A&E workers who keep them healthy. Our Facebook page will link you to the video trailer. And in the midst of some rather grim predictions about global bird extinctions, there's a small bright spot involving two species of New Zealand kiwi. We'll hook you up to an Associated Press story about it. That's some of what we have for you on our Talking Birds Facebook page right now. Not a Facebooker, that's okay. You can find all three of those stories through the Google or the Yahoo or even the Bing. Well, here's our, instead of a conservation salute, a conservation tragedy of the week. You've probably heard that the Trump administration has decided to reduce the size of two national monuments in Utah. By nearly two million acres combined, the Bears Ears and Grand Staircase Escalante National Monuments, it's said to be the largest elimination of protected land in American history. It's not a surprise that many Native American groups joined by numerous conservation organizations, including the Sierra Club, the Wilderness Society, and the Center for Biological Diversity, are filing lawsuits in an attempt to stop the cutback, with many other groups also blasting the plan. But what's extra interesting is that two big commercial entities are doing some blasting of their own. Anyone who visits the website of the outdoor gear provider Patagonia this week gets a surprise. Replacing the usual product choices are giant white letters on a black background saying, The President Stole Your Land. And as of last night, that banner was still covering the Patagonia homepage. Meanwhile, REI, another big recreational gear company... Devoted part of its home page to a more modest protest, saying, Despite the loss of millions of acres of protected lands this week, REI will continue to advocate for the places we all love. And on Wednesday of this week, the Patagonia folks went beyond protesting and joined the parade of lawsuits to try to block the cuts to Utah's Bears Ears National Monument. Patagonia argues that. Shrinking the monument by 85% is an extreme overreach in authority and strips much-needed protections from sacred tribal lands. Patagonia filed the suit on behalf of several organizations. A little conservation tragedy. Next week, we'll hear about a conservation irony. Well, we'd like to say thank you to our newest Talking Birds ambassador. That's Michael Toomey from Spencer, Massachusetts. Michael reports that he serves as one of the facilitators of the Massachusetts State Forest and Parks Friends Network and on the Chicopee River Watershed Council's executive board there in central Massachusetts. Thank you, Michael, so much for becoming an ambassador and for your good work on behalf of your part of the planet. Talking Birds listeners... We'd like to invite you to join our Ambassadors program and join Michael and hand out some of our info cards to your friends and associates to spread the word about the show and about birds and conservation. Easy to do, easy to sign up for. Click on the contact button at TalkingBirds.com. That's the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the Become an Ambassador option. Still to come on our show today, we'll hear about one of the greatest annual bird-related events, National Audubon's Christmas Bird Count. And we'll hear about it from the man who's in charge of the count, Jeff LeBaron. As usual, we'll catch up with our man, Mike O'Connor, in our Let's Ask Mike segment, to address a listener's question today about solar-powered bird bath heaters. Are they any good? And do they even exist? And up next, one of the most beautiful birds you'll ever see bobbing in a bay or preening in a pond is today's featured feathered friend presented by birdwatching magazine for more than a quarter century birdwatching has been north america's premier magazine about wild birds and birding the spectacular duck known as the king eider may be the king of eiders but it's not the king of
3: ducks there's
2: only one king of ducks and it's this week's talking birds Featured Feathered Friend. Many birds are handsome, but the king of ducks has a profile that's aristocratic, elegant, even regal, thanks to its long, sloping forehead and bill that separates it instantly from lesser waterfowl. It's also a king-sized duck, one of the largest in North America. The male of this species has a rusty red head with deep red eyes, a black chest and rear end, and an amazingly subtle light gray coloring on its back, chest, and sides that gives it its common name, canvasback. There it is, apparently issuing some kind of royal proclamation in one of the prairie potholes in which it breeds, from the American Northwest up into northern Canada and Alaska. It's found in the winter on ponds and lakes and ocean bays all along both U.S. coasts and down into Mexico and the Caribbean. The preferred food of the canvasback in its non-breeding period, Velocinaria americana, wild celery, ...gives the canvas back its scientific name... ...Athea Veloceneria... ...the elegant, aristocratic, king of ducks... ...the canvasback back... ...is today's Talkin' Birds featured feathered friend. Welcome again to our show number 654. As always, we invite you to visit our website... ...that would be TalkinBirds.com... ...without the G in Talkin'. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter... And that would be at Talking Birds. Well, since 1987, Jeff LeBaron has been the director of National Audubon's Christmas Bird Count. He's also involved in many other Audubon science programs, including the Great Backyard Bird Count, the Important Bird Areas Program, and eBird. And he joins us now to talk about the first item on that list, the soon-to-be-underway for this season, Christmas Bird Count. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Ray. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, You're very welcome. You're kind of in central Massachusetts. We're in eastern Massachusetts. We both have a little bit of snow today, but not so much to worry about, right?
3: No, it's a nice touch. It makes things pretty, and (laughs) everything should be all set for the 14th and beyond.
2: Okay, unlike last year. I know we had a lot of uh, weather troubles last year that slowed things down a a little bit, but uh, keep marching forward jeff i know you've seen many changes in growth in the christmas bird count since you began directing it in 1987 but we can trace it all the way back to 1900 when it was formed from something quite different what was known as the christmas side hunt h-u-n-t hunt would give us a brief history of that dramatic transition if you would jeff
3: Right. Um, in the late, or mid to late 1800s, there had been a, a holiday tradition called the side hunt, where people would shoot, would, uh, choose sides and then go out and basically whoever brought in the biggest pile of stuff, uh, won, won the competition. Mm. Um, it was probably a way of, of sort of supplying food for the, the holiday meal, but, also, during that time frame, and around 1900, there was a growing awareness of the need to conserve wildlife rather than to consume it. and uh, Frank Chapman, who was uh, an, ornithologist, an ornithologist at the American Museum of Natural History in New York and also had his own magazine called Bird Lore, um, he, he proposed to do a Christmas bird census rather than a Christmas bird hunt, mm-hmm. and hence began, began the, uh, the Christmas bird count on uh, Christmas Day of 1900, and it's been done every year since then. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there were 20, 27 people in a total of 25 different areas that first winter, mm-hmm. uh, at first Christmas, um, across the continent, which is sort of key, because even since the first year, we've had coverage literally across at least uh, the United States and Canada. And it's grown tremendously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As I think probably most of your listeners realize um, it's. Last year we had um, over two thousand five or yeah two thousand five hundred Christmas bird counts that were included in the season, mm-hmm. um, and around seventy three thousand observers. So, that's wow. um, so a it's a it's a birding army that's out there, <laughs> and um, and the Christmas bird count really has become one of the two. Uh, large uh, continental-scale censuses uh, that give conservationists and ornithologists the way of looking at the uh, the status of birds across the Americas. Um, mm-hmm. So it's been a very interesting time to be in charge of the Christmas bird count. Actually, this past 30 years, when I when I first started, it was an entirely paper-based program, um, and now it's pretty much entirely internet-based. So. Uh, that's been an interesting transition
2: Mm -hmm. well jeff for those who've never tried joining a christmas bird count um paint us a picture of you if you would of, of what happens
3: well each christmas bird count is done on one calendar day during the period of december 14th to january 5th each season um Within that circle, uh, there's a compiler who was the organizer of the, that particular count, or sometimes a number of counts. And um, they divide up their, the people that want to help with, with the CBC um, in different field parties. And each field party has a specific area of that circle that they cover during the course of the day. And they actually have a pretty defined route that they're going through over the course of the day. And they're, count, they're counting every bird that they see and hear over the course of their assigned area. Um, we make every effort to not do double counting, and in addition to counting the birds, people are also keeping track of their efforts. So uh, we know how many hours and how many miles and how many people um, and that that way we can actually as well as the number of birds and we can look actually um, the trend data that are generated are one of the more important things with the Christmas count and what you really need to do is you need to look at effort weighted data so after doing their field fieldwork, um, most people gather at the end of the day at a compilation gathering, oftentimes hosted at a, a restaurant or a nature center or someone's house. Um, there may be a potluck. Um, there may be a, a dinner involved or it may just be getting together and having some snacks and, and everybody goes around and talks about all the birds that they saw during the day, and it's it's a lot of fun.
2: Mmm, snacks. And I understand, uh, too, Jeff, there used to be a fee for doing the Christmas bird count, but uh, you've managed to make it free for participants.
3: Yeah, starting in the 50s, um, Audubon realized that in order to publish everything that needed to be done with the Christmas bird count, it was costing so much money that um, they needed to start initially having a volunteer fee and then uh, a mandatory fee for field observers. Um, I should also mention that people who live in a Christmas Bird Count circle can count the birds at their feeders. That's a, a, a separate way of, of being involved in the CBC.
2: So as long as you're um, in the circle, it, you could stay right in your in your kitchen, maybe.
3: It, exactly, and <laughs> as long you, you need to let you would need to let the compiler know ahead of time, mm-hmm. um, because then the compiler will make sure that a field party that may be going down your road isn't counting the birds in your yard. Because again, we want to minimize double counting. Mm-hmm. Um, so. In terms of the fee, what we realized more and more in the, the early 2000s here, in the 2010s, was that um, almost everyone was accessing the data online. Um, in Between 1998 and 2000, we actually converted the whole 100-year database to an interactive online database free for everyone to look at. Um, most people were starting to do that, and fewer and fewer people felt the need to have a printed issue. So after the 112th Christmas bird count, we stopped producing the, you know, Thirty-four or 24,128 page printed issues and that enabled us to drop the fee
2: mm-hmm. Okay, wonderful. So the count begins Thursday, December 14th, continues through January 5th. I know it's pretty easy to figure out how to join because you go on that website, you see the circles uh, you can zoom in on the map and you can really see the person you need to contact and just zip out an email and take it from there, right?
3: That's right. Many people have their email. Most people, most compilers, their e- or all compilers that are they're, um, associated with circles will have an email address there. Oftentimes, they'll put a uh, phone number or other contact information. If you don't have access to the Internet, then you can uh, contact your local um, Audubon group, Audubon Center, uh, Chapter, uh, Birding Club, whatever, and, and most... Organized groups of birders are are going to be involved with Christmas Bird Count. You can get involved that way as well.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's Audubon dot org online, right? Audubon dot org,
3: right? Or christmasbirdcount.org. dot will get you straight to the CBC pages. Christmas Bird a, .org, Yeah. Yep. Christmas Bird Count all one word dot org. All right. um, and there's a link just below below the big picture that says Join the CBC, and right there's where the map is. All right. Well, let's and hold that off. map will yep. update nightly. So. Okay. <laughs>
2: Good to know. Well, let's hope uh, all those snowstorms hold off this year, uh, Jeff, at least until after January 5th.
3: Right. (laughs) At least anything major.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Jeff LeBaron has been the Christmas Bird Count Director for the National Audubon Society since 87. He's involved with many other Audubon science programs and doing lots of great work there uh, with the National Audubon Society and the Christmas Bird Count. Jeff, thank you, and good luck with... uh, Christmas count number
3: 118. Uh, you're entirely welcome. Like I said, thanks for having me on the show, and I hope you get out. Or actually, you're, I think, in a circle, so if you want to count the birds at your nice little backyard wildlife habitat there, you could do that.
2: <laughs> well, I belong to the Merrimack <laughs> Valley Bird Club up in northeastern Massachusetts, and I, I already clicked on the, on the circle there and found my friend Donna Cooper, and sending her <laughs> an email to see if they'll let me join them. I suspect they will. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know. Thank you, Jeff. Okay, thank you. Coming up next, it's our mystery bird contest here in just one minute.
1: Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. My name is Cindy Staley, and I live in Springfield Center, New York. I think the show is wonderful for kids. I love birds, and I really think the show captures the importance of knowing about your natural surroundings, including birds. That is something that you can get going on with kids and have them be a part of that backyard science talking birds listeners we hope you'll become a Talkin' birds ambassador just visit our website talkingbirds.com click on the contact button and then choose the become an ambassador option we'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors that's the contact button at talkin'birds.com. and thanks
2: our mystery bird contest is sponsored by audubon park wild bird food look for audubon park next time you're buying food for your backyard birds Our mystery bird contest uh, makes you eligible as long as you haven't won here within uh, six months. And it's real easy to do. Just give us a call. Tell us what the bird is or take your guess. No correct answer results in a drawing to determine our winner. Here's our mystery bird, the sound. It's a chunky, medium-sized diving duck found mostly in the western U.S. But becoming more common in the northeast as it migrates south in winter from increasingly large nesting areas in northern Canada. The male is a strikingly patterned bird with a dark purple head, a vertical white crescent just behind the bill, white undersides and a dark back with white bars, the female mostly brown with an orange bill. And boy, do we have some wonderful prizes here. The Droll Yankees Double Suet Feeder, the big kind, perfect for treating your backyard birds to their favorite suet or fruit. And bonus prizes, two 12 12-ounce bags of delicious bird-friendly shade-grown birds and beans coffee and a five-pound pack of Audubon Park nut and fruit wild bird food. So those are our prizes. And the number is 781-837-4900. 781-837-4900. As always, we urge you to call as soon as possible. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, we'll check in with our man, Mike O'Connor down there at the Bird Watchers General Store on Cape Cod. Let's ask Mike in just one minute. Our friends at Audubon Park remind us that they're counting on us. It's the time of year when birds really need nutritious, high-energy food to help them cope with cold weather. Look for Audubon Park wild bird food and be confident that you're providing the proper nutrition for your backyard visitors. Audubon Park is family-owned and food safety certified. And for the best photos, news, alerts, and more, sign up for Audubon Park's free e-newsletter sent to your inbox once a month. Sign up at audubonpark.com. That's audubonpark.com. Now a word from Birdwatching Magazine. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Whether you enjoy birds in your backyard or far afield, you'll find information in every issue to help you find, track, identify, and understand birds. Regular contributors include Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and other birding experts. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. Mike O'Connor's down there on Cape Cod. Uh, I don't imagine they got any snow since the sun is always shining down there, but we'll find out. One thing I know that Mike has right in his backyard, at least he tells us that he does, is one of these right here. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, right? Yeah, that's well, exactly right.
0: I've got a screech. Oh, I woke up this morning. I mean, I, You know, sometimes I hear him at night. That sound exactly like you played, but I woke up this morning and I have a owl box in the backyard, and I looked out, and there was a gray-faced Easter screech owl just putting its head outside and and enjoying the sunshine, if there was any, (laughs) which which there always is, by the way. Which there
2: always
0: is, of course, yeah. And he he stayed there for quite a while, just with his little Mm -hmm. head out the hole, and then um, the the, the neighborhood chickadee spotted him, and they were having none of that, and so they kind of screamed at him, and uh, he went back in the hole back in the box with some peace and quiet, but yeah. uh, hopefully it'll be out later.
2: Mm, okay, Well, Mike, our friend uh, and Talking Birds ambassador, Kim Bailey, in Bourne, Massachusetts, kind of straddling the famous Cape Cod Canal, says, have you seen any solar birdbath heaters? Birdbath heaters powered by the sun?
0: Uh, yeah, they... The ones I've seen only work in the summertime. Yeah. They don't see, oh. they, the, that was not,
2: the one I invented. It just works in the, <laughs> in the warm weather. That's right.
0: Yeah, yeah and I hope you're, you're making a patent that you put in there. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a question we get a lot, and it's like a nice dream, but it's it just doesn't seem to work. Um, only because bird baths, just uh, take a, a fair amount of power to use, mm. and so what the average person would want be willing to spend and put up It wouldn't be practical. Um, They've tried a couple of things that haven't worked. They have uh, solar fountains that seem to work pretty well, but those are small, and the motors in those and the energy they put out is, is really minuscule, and so they work okay. But to keep ice from freezing... Uh, especially a heater that would shut down when the sun went in, and then your bird bath would freeze up solid. And then in the next the next morning, it would try to heat up the whole thing and unfreeze it again. That would take a, a, a rather large solar panel, and the practicality isn't isn't out there yet. So I tell people, and it seems like I'm being a wise guy, but. I tell people, put solar panels on your house, and then you've got power for your birdbath and all your electrical needs. I've done that, and mm-hmm. now we've got plenty of birdbath feeders and I don't have an electric bill. But that's a little bit of an investment. There was an, an item made locally, actually, a Massachusetts company called the Happy Bird Corporation, which I don't know if it still exists, but they made something called a, a solar sipper, which, again, was a nice idea. It was like a giant hockey puck, a black item with a hole drilled in the middle, and these little... uh Insulation chambers that you would fill with water, and it wasn't a bath because it was just a little tiny hole about the size of maybe a half dollar, and and the sun would melt this, and then birds would get a little, little bit of water out of that. It was again, it was a nice idea. I tried it; it didn't seem to work very well. Again, I'd put it out in the sun; it would definitely keep it from freezing during the day, but then at night it all froze solid and, and really didn't melt much during the day. So, um, my advice is to buy a a bird bath with a heater built in those tend to be low wattage and use uh comparatively little power they 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 sell units you can just drop into an existing bath but those are a little bit more use a lot more power i would get one with a heater built in and then just plug that in they have thermostats so they don't run all the time and um they really a great idea because I say this all the time, but um, not all birds like birdseed, but all birds need water. And you'll get a lot of birds with a heated bird bath. but you're going to have to plug it in.
2: All right. Plug it in and take it from there. And next week, Mike, we're going to talk about your your own recipe. I believe it's your own recipe. You've made some vegetarian... Suet,
0: vegetarian suet. Ooh. It's uh, um, it's not really my own recipe, but if it works, I'll take credit for
2: it. I, you got to do it. Talk to
0: you next week, Mike. <laughs> okay, you
2: got it. Have a lot. All right, we're back at the mystery bird contest. <laughs> Trying to identify this mystery bird. It's a diving duck, is what it is. A chunky, medium-sized diving duck. The male with a strikingly patterned uh, body, a dark purple head, a vertical white crescent just behind the bill, white undersides. Uh, a dark back with white bars. That would be the mystery bird, Seven eight one eight three seven four nine hundred. Our friend Charlie in Hanover, Mass, is first over there. Good morning, Charlie. Hi, everybody. Merry Christmas. Long time haven't talked to you. Merry Christmas, Charlie. Nice to hear from you. And the mystery bird is? I'm going to call it a greater scaup. S-C-A-U-T. You know, you can call it anything you want, Charlie. You probably won't answer Bye. anyway, but that that would not be the mystery bird that we had in mind there. Okay, my friend. Thank All you. Right. Merry Christmas to you and yours. Thank you so much, Charlie. All right, bye we bye have now. Joanne calling from somewhere in West Virginia. Good morning, Joanne. Good morning. Good morning. Nice to hear from you. Whereabouts in in beautiful West Virginia?
3: We're in Kernighville, West Virginia, which is
1: up in the eastern panhandle of West Virginia.
2: The eastern panhandle, uh, kind of like the thumb coming coming out oh, there. Uber. Exactly. Yeah, that kind yes. of thing. Okay. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, you heard one guess there maybe from Charlie about the mystery bird. Uh, what uh, what might uh, your guess be, Joanne? I think
3: it's the Barrow's Golden
2: Eye. I believe you are correct. Jesse is not, great. so now I know for sure. And we both okay, uh, agree. The Barrow's Golden Eye is uh, actually correct. Named for... Sir John Barrow, who was a secretary to the British Admiralty and founder of the Royal Geographical Society, and was obsessed with the idea of finding the Northwest Passage through Canada, just thought I'd add Great. that. Thank okay. You. <laughs> Thank you, Joanne. And stand the line. We'll get your address and send you those prizes. Okay.
3: Super. Thank you so much. And Merry Christmas to you.
2: Merry Christmas to you, Joanne. The Barrows' golden eye. Our mystery bird, and we are out of time for our program for this particular day. Please visit our website. Keep in touch with us at talkingbirds.com. Thanks to Mark Duffield and Debbie Bleacher and our engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week.
0: Ray Brown's Talking Birds.
1: Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Or Leanscape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors, llbean.com. By Celestron, offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee, birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani, visiting a national park, let Chimani guide you.